February 7th, 1885 is the day that writer and playwright Sinclair Lewis was born here in the United States. A satirical writer of American life and culture in the 1920s, with classics like Main Street and Babbitt, Lewis was the first American to win the Nobel Prize. He won that in 1930 for literature. Yet for all of his renown and his wealth, Lewis ended up dying in Rome of alcoholism at the age of 65. Now the story goes that upon his death in 1951, he was cremated and his ashes were sent to the U.S. Embassy in Rome to later be sent back to the States. And one morning a visitor uh, went to the embassy and saw a worker on her knees with a dustpan and a broom. And next to her was an overturned memorial urn. And when she asked the worker what she was doing, the worker replied nonchalantly, sweeping up Sinclair Lewis. Stories like those are sobering reminders of the fragility of life. As if we needed really any reminders during this past year. Life's delicate nature has been at the forefront of our minds as we've endured a global virus and grieved nearly two and a half million people worldwide dying from this virus and nearly half a million here on our own nation so far. And add to this other losses, the death of loved ones from other causes, the, the loss of milestone events and celebrating with those with people in the way that we wish to celebrate, and just a million small losses throughout the year. We find ourselves humbled by the reminders of how quickly things and our lives can be nonchalantly swept away by life as we move on to the next thing. Facing our fragility, our weakness, can really feel depressing, and I totally get it. I understand why a service focused on marking ourselves with ashes and reminding each other that we're going to die is not really a Hallmark or Disney kind of moment. I recognize that embracing our mortality flies in the face of our culture, which totally seeks immortality. But for those who have experienced a great deal of loss, one of the things that they have learned is that it's somewhat liberating to accept our mortality rather than to fight it or to deny or avoid the inevitable. In fact, it can actually be incredibly bold and brave to just blurt out the truth that's not offensive at all. We are dust, and to dust we return. Once we declare it, it's something like can finally exhale and receive then the gift that comes from surrendering to who we really are, dusty people. You know who else is mindful of our fragility? Our Creator. Our psalm today is a beautiful song of remembrance and thanksgiving. It's a remembrance of who we are and thanksgiving for who the Lord is and how the Lord deals with us. Let's look at these verses together, beginning in verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always accuse, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he removes our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear him. 
These verses focus on the nature of God. God, full of mercy, grace, and loyal love, does not deal with us according to our sins. Rather, God is merciful and compassionate and loyal and love to us, his children. And then in verses 14 through 16, the focus shifts a little bit to us. For he knows how we were made. He remembers that we are dust. As for mortals, their days are like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and it is gone and its place knows it no more. God has compassion on us, for God remembers how we were made. God remembers forming us out of the dust and breathing life into us. How intimate, how personal. You see, there's a unique bond between a creator and their creation. And it is this bond that is the source of God's compassion for us, God's children. Now, as humans, it's easy to read those three verses about being dust and mortal and blown away by the wind and feel a sense of insecurity and fear, realizing how vulnerable we are, how helpless we are. And perhaps that is why the psalmist has placed this reminder of our fragile state in the middle of these two beautiful bubble wrap passages declaring who God is. Verses 18 through 13 remind us God is merciful, compassionate, and loyal in love to us, his children. Verses 14 through 16 remind us we are dust, but then quickly come to verses 17 through 18 that return to focus once again on who God is. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. If the truth of our lives were that we are dust and only that, that was the last word, then yes, this would be really a bummer of a service and I would not blame you for turning it off right now. But that is not the last word. Our mortality is not the last word, nor is our brokenness the last word. God is the last word. And let us not forget what God can do with dust. We are mortal, but death is not final. We're broken, but we have a savior. The acceptance of this, which we pronounce on Ash Wednesday, is freedom for us, and it's really music to God's ear. Because when we embrace these truths, the real journey can begin. As followers of Christ, we are resurrection people. This is absolutely true. But we are also Ash Wednesday people, and Monday Thursday people, and Good Friday people as well. We need every step along this 40-day journey to the cross to remind us who we are and to hold our identity between two beautiful bubble-wrapped truths about who God is, our merciful, compassionate, and loyal and love God who remembers how we were made. Our Lent series is titled Fixer Upper, Renovation of the Heart. We love the idea of renovating. We have entire television networks dedicated to this and we invest a lot of time and money in renovating our homes and our cars and our closets. But what about investing in the renovation of our heart? 
This Lent, we want to create the space that we need to invite God to do what only God can do in renovating our lives. Now, if you've been part of a major renovation project, you know the challenges that can go along with that and develop unexpectedly. What might start as a simple project soon leads to discoveries of things that we didn't know needed to be worked on, but they need to in order for things to be done right. We know the risk and the cost of avoiding the non-glamorous, the, the foundational, the hidden work. So in our own lives, let's give God access to everything so it can be done correctly and that we can build on a strong foundation. We also know that renovations can involve a lot of dust. And we spend a lot of time and money trying to clean up after all the dust that results from the renovation work. At the end of our series on Easter Sunday, when all the dust settles, we will still be dusty people. But rather than a nuisance to be cleaned up, my hope and prayer is that we will wear our dust as a beautiful reminder of who we are. Dusty people that the Lord has not dealt with according to our sins, but according to God's compassion and mercy and loyal love. And tonight, as we mark ourselves with what has made it through the burning, may the ashes imposed in the sign of the cross on our forehead or our hand remind us that by the grace of God, death is not the end. We are not abandoned. We are not forsaken. God is merciful, compassionate, and loyal in love to us, God's dusty people.